welcome to the worship service at the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Hayward, California, a multicultural church in the San Francisco East Bay that worships on the Seventh-day Sabbath, Saturday. The ministry of the Word by Pastor Paul Penno is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to forgive sin and save from sin by his cross and ministry as priest in the heavenly sanctuary, the third angel's message in verity. Join us now as the service is in progress. Today, my sermon is, is directed toward the youth, the young people of the church, and so you adults can just listen in. It's based on Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 13. And if you'll open your Bibles there, it's, you'll see the title, The Road to Emmaus. Now, when I first looked at Emmaus, I, I said, wow, road to Emmaus. And then I said, no, that can't be right. It must be road to Emmaus. No, that's not right either. So I did what most young people did, and I do, is I Googled it. So I Googled it, and I found not only that it was Emmaus, but that the speaker, if you turn your speakers up and you click on the name, it will actually speak the pronunciation to you. So here I was, it was probably about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I had my speakers cranked up, and all of a sudden I heard Emmaus. And it went vibrated throughout the whole house, so that kind of is in my... <laughs> it was... So anyway, started Luke chapter 24. Uh, it's the road to Emmaus. And so, you know that Jesus had a lot of followers, didn't he? He had more followers, followers than the 12. And two of them are on their way out of Jerusalem. Now, they're walking away from the 11 remaining disciples and others. So I wonder if they were on their way back to whatever they did before. Were they carpenters, like Jesus? Were they, you know, builders? Were they fishermen? But they were on their way. And what do you think, why was the reason they're walking back? And their, heart, their hearts are heavy. Um, as we read in 13 to 16, chapters 13 to 16, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. Jesus had just died on the cross, and their hearts were saddened. So it was, with, so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. So you can see, I don't know if you've ever been disappointed um, and had your dreams and hopes dashed, but that sunken feeling, you know, you just don't see a lot of things when you're... you're, you're Something as, as tragic as that, as that has happened in your life. And so they just didn't recognize him. He was in, he was, uh, he was in your friend, uh, and, and sometimes that happens to us, doesn't it? Sometimes we're walking along, we don't hear him. Could be in your friend, your teacher, a parent. Now don't think, oh, you mean in their heart. Like it's not the same as what happened to these two men. But he's as real and powerful, as wise and as loving, and a person yielded to him as he was on that road. He's a real person today as he was then, walking alongside the two men, leaving um, Jerusalem to go to Emmaus. The once dead, now alive forever. He was the conqueror of death and hell, king of the universe. 
Your creator has walked and talked with you. But you usually know when the Lord is speaking to you, don't you? Through a friend. But you just didn't take it as real as it is. Next time you get that check in the spirit that the Lord just spoke to you through your friend or the word as you read it, think about these two men and Jesus right beside them. Now let's take a look. Let's take a look at verses 17 to 20. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? I mean, these two are walking along, and they hear somebody not knowing the biggest event of all time. And so they just can't believe that there is a person walking beside them that doesn't know what had just happened. And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests, our government, our rulers, delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. And that must have hurt. That must have hurt for them to say that because they were the hope, weren't they? Jesus was the hope. And for him to be crucified must have hurt so painfully, just as it does today for us, doesn't it? They hoped Jesus would redeem Israel in a physical way. But he did something a million times greater than that. He redeemed all who could come to him by faith through our time. He conquered the up until the, the, then the undefeated enemy of man throughout time, death. He ripped the prison bars of hell right out of the wall and wrapped that old servant, the devil, upside the head with them and said, These prisoners are free, bought and paid for with my blood. You can only have the ones that won't accept the gift of atoning blood. That's all. You get, period. You understand? Now that old devil, the defeated foe, angry as sin, but shaking in his boots, he said, Yes, Lord of lords, and king of kings. Even the devil has to acknowledge the Lord of lords and the king of kings. Amen? Amen. And we hoped he would redeem Israel, these two, Cleopas and his friend said. They wanted him so badly to redeem Israel, and it didn't happen. They were shocked. They were defeated. And I could imagine their heads hung so low, walking slowly. And if you've ever had that feeling, it's very tiring, isn't it? You just don't have the energy to do anything. And I could imagine them walking very, very slowly in those days, in that day. Now, do you see how funny these two downcast brothers are? It's like saying, I was hoping to win a free day pass to great America, when in reality, you got a month-long trip, world cruise, all expenses paid, because Jesus died for us, didn't he? So it's a million times better. But they didn't realize that at that time, did they? You know what? We are just like these guys. We're so busy with our lives. We're so involved with different things in our lives that we don't pause for a moment, young people. And we don't listen to what he's saying. Now, one thing that I've noticed, and one thing that's happened in my life, is that being ordained and having elders lay their hands on you, there's a... There's there's a sense of a spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that is with me. Now, when I kneel down 
I, I try to allow that Holy Spirit to enter in. And you, can, and you can feel him. You can feel the Holy Spirit. You can feel the touch and the breeze and the sound. One of the things my father-in-law says is that when there's a wonderful sermon, if you pause for just a moment, that he says that you can hear the angels' wings flapping in, in appreciation. And I do believe that. I do believe that our angels right now that are sitting outside of this, right up on top of us, protecting us, not allowing for those bad thoughts and, you know, worried about the bills tomorrow or anything like that, but that the Holy Spirit is just with us right now. How many times have you been disappointed and later realized the Lord spared you from something that could have been horrible and gave you something much better? Sometimes we don't see it or we don't pay attention. But if you do, you'll see it all the time. I see you driving down the freeway, and I know all of you that drive, some of you young people also, you see it when you're driving down, maybe you're with your parents, and all of a sudden there's somebody that just swerves over into your lane, and you're, you're trying to get out of his way. It just happened to me the other day, and uh, they're trying to get over, they swerved, I had to move over to the next lane, and thank God that there was nobody in that lane, or I would have been in a terrible wreck. Now, one of the things that we do, and I hope every single one of you, the, not only the young people, but also you adults, is that you pray every time you get in the car and you ask for the gui his guidance, and I think that um, it truly, truly helps us. As Brother Mark was saying, when he prayed and his boat uh, had that little problem, God is in control, and we appreciate that, don't we? Or you're at an intersection, and the light turns green, but just for a second, you don't press on that accelerator pedal, and all of a sudden, zoom, there goes a car right by you. That's happened to me a couple of times. And I pause for just a moment. I say, thank you, Lord. You protected me again. You know that he loves you so much. He isn't going to give you what you're hoping for. He's going to give you something a million times better. These two disciples were hoping for physical freedom from the taxes of the Roman Empire and restore the king of, restored king of, in the line of David. Instead, Jesus gives them the seat with him at the helm of the universe. In Ephesians 2, 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful promise that is. Don't be disappointed when you don't get the physical things you were expecting. Look at the spiritual reality of what is really happening and that God has something much greater in mind for you. If he withholds your request, it is because he loves you as something much better. Don't doubt his love because of some physical thing, whether illness or, or, or lack of material blessing or even lack of apparent need. Sometimes through the darkest times, like Cleopas and a friend were having, Something wonderful is happening in the unseen realms. You don't think that this is real as the physical? It is forever. And this stuff you see and you have are going to pass. Your house will be old and it will pass. And it won't be here. Your car in five years, you won't have it. Your computer in one, well, maybe two won't be here, and it will be old, and it'll pass. The Nintendo DS, your Xbox 360, for those young people who know what that is, your boyfriend or girlfriend, maybe the old one next week, they won't last. 
And sorry to say for all the musicians out there, even that wonderful trumpet player that we had, Alexis, some of those instruments won't last either, will they? They will disappear. And I do appreciate that. I just want to say thank you, Alexis and Gemma and uh, Jessica on the piano. I appreciate that. But they won't last either. And don't get wrapped up into the material world. A person's life isn't made up of that in this physical world. But he, but who he knows in the spiritual. Lay up your treasures in heaven, as we all know. So I ask, how big is your heavenly treasure? Don't you know that he's laid up more awesome things for you? You think the Xbox 360 is cool? Wait until you can fly inches from the water of a lake at high speed like a hawk. Now that is not a video game. That is a promise. Debbie, Mom, and I, Mom and Dad and I were at a place called Quarry Lakes. And like Mark, I like to fish. I like to throw the line in the water. I'm not as lucky as Mark. Mark catches lots of fish. I feed the fish is what I do. <laughs> and so I had the line in the water, and I'm sitting by the, by right at the water's edge, and I'm watching this beautiful hawk, and he's flying low. And I, I just, right then, I just envisioned how beautiful it's going to be when we get to heaven and how wonderful. There is not one video game machine or anything on this earth that will match what we will see in heaven. And that is such a beautiful promise, isn't it? And talk about cool graphics. If you talk about graphics and the PlayStation 3, it's not that cool. Wait until you run with the animals. You'll see some real animation then. Not this fake animation that we see, but it would be real world animation, touching the animals and, feel, and running with them. That is what I call real world gaming. You think the iPod is cool? Wait until you see the music you will play and sing. It'll be wonderful, even if you can't sing, if you can't play. You know, I wish I had a voice like our uh, singer, Carrie Montgomery. That was beautiful. I wish I had a voice like that, but... Someday we'll all have beautiful voices, won't we? Amen? It'll be great. Now, you think about the Wii is cool? Well, it is kind of cool, isn't it? Well, you know what I mean. All of these things that we have in our lives are, are going to be gone someday, and we'll have the real, real thing someday. Now, I've always been kind of a geek, and you know, most of you, most of you young people have seen all the little gadgets I carry around, and I carry these little computers, and I carry phones, and I carry all these little wireless gadgets and that I can attach to anything, any place in this whole world. And uh, I use them, and uh, yes, I enjoy them very much, but I know that those will not, those someday will be gone too. And some gadgets I use as tools, and, and some others, they're just gadgets. I just like to have gadgets. Um, I like pressing buttons and spinning dials, I, and that's why I'm in the AV department, I guess, is because I like moving dials and pressing buttons, and my wife always has to hold my hand down because I'm always pressing buttons all over the place, like the television button and stuff like that. But I wondered, and as I wondered, I said, wow, what am I going to do in heaven? I'm a geeky guy. I like... I like electronics. There's no electricity, there's no computers, there's no iPhone, there's nothing for me to break and fix. I thought to myself, man, it's going to be pretty boring in heaven. 
what is a poor, lowly geek going to do in heaven? I mean, sometimes I used to think I had silicone running through my veins. Now, for those that don't know what silicone is, that's what all these little electronic things that you got in your purses, the little chips, that's silicone, okay? And I always thought that was running through my veins because I drive through Silicon Valley and I could feel my heart just pump because I was so excited to be there. Then I started to think about creation. I started to think seriously about creation. Wow, how neat, how so very neat it will be to be sitting with Jesus and have him explain creation, having him talk about the creation of all the wonderful things that he's done. He's created the human mind. How did he do that? Do you know that the earth is made up of all these trees? How did he know that he had, we have to have all these trees to create the oxygen that we breathe? I want to know. And so I sat there and I said, that he will teach us the science of plants and animals. How was creation of the world done? How did he come up with our minds? What about, about this thing called electricity? That's my own personal question, okay? Lord, how did you make atoms? What is this thing that was gravity? How did you know that we needed to be stuck to the earth and be able to walk around and make our scales show that we weigh more than we really want to be weighed? There will be millions and millions of beautiful things that we will learn about. Our earthly puny minds can't conceive of what it will be like. I no longer think that going to heaven will be boring and, and it will be for this puny, geeky guy to think about, but it will be the greatest adventure of our life. I truly believe that. Amen? And God is playing these great, this great Sims game. Now, some of you know what Sims is, but it's not a game. God is playing for your souls. He wants us to love him and be with him and uh, for, to go home with him eventually. But the devil is out there. He's out to get you. You think he's a crazy, ugly beast? He's not. No, my friend. He is not. He's a very beautiful creature. And he is a very tempting creature. Watch what you hear and see and listen to. Don't give up on Jesus because the devil will snatch you so fast you won't even know that he's got you in his grips. Ephesians 6.12 is a familiar verse. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers of darkness and this age. And brothers and sisters and young people, that is, we are in a battle for our lives. I don't want Jesus, but you say, but I don't want Jesus to come yet. My life is just beginning. I'm so young. I have so much to live for here on earth. Yes, it is a beginning. But isn't it better to have the comfort of knowing that you are protected, an insurance policy, someone that always has your back. Well, let me tell you, Jesus will always have your back. There is no one else that can make that promise. I guarantee it. Work for the Lord. Do what's right and not what's cool. Do the Lord's work, not the work of the devil. You want to be a leader? Love him first. He will lead you to the most fantastic challenges. You want to sing? Sing for the Lord. You love Jesus, you can make it happen. Do you want to feel good about yourself? You're not, if you don't feel good about yourself, love Jesus. Go and volunteer your time in helping the poor and the less fortunate, as some of our young people do. 
You want to see God do incredible things? Love him. Go and build a church someplace, someplace in the world. Love Jesus. Because the only friend you have is Jesus, and he won't fail you. Now let's go back. Let's go back to Cleopas and his friend in verses 22 to 24. Yes, and a certain woman of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. Is everybody there? When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Now, wait a minute. Jesus already told them after he rose from the dead to meet him in Galilee. The women told them the angel said to meet him in Galilee. These guys are going in the wrong direction. How many clues do these guys need? They're going to Emmaus. Sometimes the Lord gives a bunch of information. We read it in the Bible, and we head for Emmaus. We head in the wrong direction. But that has never been any of you, right? Where are you going right now? I sure hope it's to Galilee and not to Emmaus. It's October 1995. There's a conversation between a U.S. Navy ship and the Canadian authorities off the coast of Newfoundland, Newfoundland, sorry. Here's the Canadian authority. Please divert your course to the south to avoid collision. U.S. Navy ship. You divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid collision. And here's the Canadian authority. Negative. You divert your course 15 to the south to avoid collision. And here's the U.S. Navy ship responding. This is the captain of the U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. Canadian, Canadian authority. No, I say again, you divert your course. Now, the captain of the U.S. Navy ship is very upset at this point. And he goes, this is the aircraft carrier USS Lincoln, the second largest ship in the Atlantic fleet. We are accompanied with three destroyers, three cruisers, and numerous support vessels. I demand that you change your course 15 degrees north. I say again, that's one five degrees north, or countermeasures will be taken to ensure the safety of this ship. The Canadian authority responds, this is a lighthouse, your call. You see, you see, Jesus is saying the same thing. It's your call. Divert your course. Go the right direction. And he gives direction in Luke 11, 9 and says, And I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. What great instructions. Amen? All right. Let's go back. Let's go back to the verses. We're at uh, Luke 25 to 27. And I'm so glad I see heads bowing. Not in prayer, but they're looking at their Bibles. It's great. I'm so thankful for that. 25 to 27. Let's read that. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter in his glory? And beginning at Moses, now listen to this, beginning at Moses, all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures things concerning himself. He taught 
he was teaching. Wouldn't that be wonderful? You're sitting there with Jesus. And he is breaking, he is teaching you from the beginning of Moses and all the prophets. What, what a wonderful teacher. What, wouldn't that be nice? Well, we will see that, won't we? So Jesus, come on, guys. Aren't you in the word? How come it takes so much for you to believe? Look at the word all in verse 27. Did you know your whole Old Testament is about Jesus? He shows up in prophecy. He shows up physically. And he shows up in types and shadows. He is everywhere in the Old Testament. How come we are so slow to see that everything is about Jesus? It is Jesus that pleases the heart of the Father. Verses 28 to 31. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed, broke it, and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they knew him. They had seen the scars, and he had vanished from their sight. Don't you want to be with somebody who like that, who can teach you the word of God? When they show you in Scripture what is going on, it's so exciting. And you just want to hang out with them and glean bits of insight. Whenever I'm in a study and we, we get really involved, I just want to stay. Stay for hours and just learn and learn and, and open the Word. And every time you open the Word, don't you find something different? Even in the same verse, I find that. These guys were hungry and thirsting for the Word. And they didn't want Jesus to leave. Even though they did not know who He was. They knew he knew the word. So they say, don't go. Have dinner with us. Anything to keep him around, to learn more. Is that how you feel? Is that how you are toward learning the gospel? If you've studied the gospel, there's something in the text that gets you excited. I know there is. There must be a little piece in there that gets you excited. If not, then you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you with that, your study, because he is the one who eliminates the word. He can show you Jesus in all the scriptures. Are you hanging with him? See what happened when he broke the bread? What happened? As he passed the bread, they saw the nail holes. Suddenly their eyes were open. You know, sometimes we have to see the nail holes before we recognize him. Isn't that true? See those love scars made for you? then you can recognize him. We recognize him in communion, don't we? When he passes the bread, our eyes are open, and I hope they are for you. The bread is his body that he gave for the life of the world. Christ in our brothers and sisters causes them to do the same and walk around as living sacrifices, giving up their own way, dying to their own desires so the resurrected Lord can use their body as a broken bread to minister to the needy world, as we see some of the young people do. Are your eyes open yet? See their sacrifice? Now are your eyes open? Verses 32 to 34. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them together 
saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Let him open the scriptures to you. When you sit down to feed on the word, pray for him to open your understanding. As he does, you will feel what this man felt. It's for today, just not back then. It happens every day all over the world. People sit down before the word as he opens the scriptures. Their hearts burn within them. And I hope they do for you as you open scripture. We need more study, don't we? Have you ever felt the Holy Spirit? And I was telling you how the Holy Spirit, you ask the Holy Spirit in your studies to come and be with you. And, he, and it will. The, the elders of the laying on the, the hands are, is a, an experience I'll never, ever forget. Now, they are going the right way, aren't they? They went back to Jerusalem to claim his name. They were so happy. They had seen Jesus. They had learned. They had got to sit. Just the two of them. Not thousands, but just 101. Mano y mano. Once you meet him and he shows you the word, you decide to obey what he already told you. They are headed back toward Galilee, back to serve the master. It is true. He has risen, they are saying. What does that mean to you? To me, it means I don't have to fear death. I don't have to worry about my loved ones that I've died that knew Jesus as Savior and Lord. It means he can walk and talk with me. It means he can tell me what to share with you. And then the living Lord Jesus can help me share it. He is alive. Will you let him live through you today? Will you get his directions for your life? I hope so. Bob was a logger in the mountains of northwestern United States. As he was logging one day, his boss, who was not religious at all, drove up to him and said, Bob, I read the text someplace in the Bible where Jesus is talking to one of his disciples, Peter. Jesus says he's going to build his church on the rock. What does that mean? Is he going to build a church on what Peter said or on Peter himself? I want to know, said the boss. Bob replied, I don't know, but I'll find my Bible and I'll tell you tomorrow. So Bob drove down the mountainside and began to reflect on his life. His life that was kind of lonely, but was changing in a most miraculous way. He later remarked that the strange things, some strange things, had been going on in his life, and he noticed that his heart was changing, feeling more tender and more kind. When he got to his house in the village below the mountain where he was cutting the trees, he found an old trunk the Bible his mother had given him 20 years before was in. He hadn't touched it since she had given it to him. Never opened it. So it was a little dusty. The pages were kind of stuck together. You know, if you haven't opened a Bible for a while, it gets a little musty and pages are stuck together. Well, that's what Bob found after 20 years. The next morning, when the boss came by again, Bob said, I think it's very obvious as we read scripture, Jesus is going to build his church on the confessions of Peter that Jesus Christ was the Christ, the Son of God. That satisfied Bob's boss. So Bob put on his earmuffs, started his big chainsaw. And if you've ever started a chainsaw, you know how noisy that is. And he began to cut, began to cut the big trees, just like a logger is supposed to do, whacking at, hacking at the base of those trees and 
felling them and then cutting the limbs and, and the noise. As he was cutting the trees, he heard a voice. The voice repeated the words of Jesus to Peter, found in Matthew 16, 13, 18. Who do you say I am? Bob looked around. There was no one there. He's in the middle of a forest. He's cutting trees. Again, Bob returned to cutting the trees and heard the voice the second time. He looked around again and again, and there was no one there. But he heard that voice. Who do you say I am? He heard the voice all day. And he said later that he thought he would lose his mind that day. But the voice kept saying, Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? That night, he could not sleep. He kept thinking about the voice. The next day, he went back to the mountains and began to cut trees again. Though he wore those big earmuffs that blocked out all the noise of that giant chainsaw and, uh, and started cutting, and was cutting through trees, he heard the voice again. Who do you say that I am? He quickly looked around, and once more, no one was there. He turned off the saw, and in a little clearing there in the woods, he fell on his knees, and he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. There on his knees, Bob surrendered his life to Jesus. Who do you say that he is? Is he just someone that you come to church for? You've read a couple of verses. You've opened your Bible. You've looked at the black and white text. Who do you say he is? Maybe he has been walking by your side, and in the midst of all the noise in your life, you can't hear him. So stop. Listen, and you will hear him, young people. With all the noise in our lives, with all the things and the distractions, if we just stop and listen, we'll hear his voice. Who do you say I am? And I hope and pray your response will be, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Join us again next time for the Word of God which will feed the soul. I am committed to bring you the fullness of the gospel as Jesus has revealed it to us in order to prepare a people for his soon coming.